Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks No Ship podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. Today, my guest is an expert relationship and life coach. This is her second time on the podcast. The first time around, I think it was a couple of years ago, we talked about dating in midlife. Let me introduce you to Barb Beck. Like I said, she is an expert relationship coach. I actually did one of her coaching programs, which opened my eyes to so much stuff. But I wanted to have her back on today to talk about this concept that I have seen playing out in the media. And it's about choosing unconventional relationships in midlife. And all of these articles are pointing to the fact that women are less likely to want to marry or cohabitate later in life, and men are the exact opposite. And when I read both those articles, it sparked all kinds of questions in my mind. <laughs> and so Barb and I are going to have a, this conversation and kind of unpack that why that is. So welcome, Barb. Thank you. It's so nice to be back here again. I just love this podcast. And you know me, I could talk about this dating, love, relationship, life, all of it, like forever. So um, I'm really, really happy to be jumping into this topic, though. I agree with you. I think it is rich right now. Unconventional relationships are definitely, definitely a growing phenomenon. But like you just said, I think there's some things, I think there's some things to watch for. I think yeah. there's some amazing growth opportunities and, you know, I want to unpack these. Yeah. So my first question, so I read these two articles that came out in different newspapers over a period of about, I think, a month and a half. And I was like, huh, this is a really curious phenomenon to me that women are choosing to either remain single or to, you know, not have the conventional relationship set up as in not get married, not cohabitate, date, but not really merging lives. Mm -hmm. And the first question that I asked myself was, are women actually choosing this because they want it? Or are they choosing it because they've become so jaded about men and relationships and things like that? And I'd love mm -hmm. to get your take on that question. Yeah. What do you think? What was your hit that when you asked yourself that question, what was your hit? You know, my first thought was, well, of course, because it's just easier. Like being in relationship is not always an easy <laughs> road. And, you know, like in a time of life where we're like, okay, I'm removing the stress from my life. Like you can take a lot of stress out of your life without a relationship. But then it was like, like the question was, I was like, are you lonely? Like, or do you not want that? Like, what is it that you're avoiding? Like I took the women are avoiding it because it's just too much stress to deal with. Mm. So I don't know, yeah. but maybe I'm totally wrong. That's why I really wanted to unpack this conversation with you. I think that's legitimate. I hear that. I'm not sure I hear it. I love that you're using that term like stress. It is true. I mean, relationships take work, focus, intention, all of it. Keeping that emotional connection strong, that takes attention, focus, work, I haven't thought about it as stress. That's interesting. I like that. 
Okay, I guess I'm going to go right there, right out of the gates. I'm going to go right there. (laughs) Here's what I've found, and we will talk about protection later because that's a big piece of this, but here's what I found. Do I believe that we are stuck in old ways and that, you know, we have the, this is the way things should unfold. If we fall in love with somebody, if we've been dating a certain amount of time, then we should be looking at whatever. If you're 30, it should be looking at engagement. If you're our age, then we should definitely be looking at how we're going to plan the rest of our lives together and get married again. That is so deeply ingrained in our society and our cultures. And guess what? In our own brains, we think we don't believe it, but we have so quietly bought in to that. So that's still playing out. Here's what I really see a lot that I make sure that I ask every female client from 50 on who is looking and saying, I don't think I ever want to be in a relationship again, or announce to me, I will never, never, never be married again, no matter what, like when there's a real harsh tone to this, what we know is that I think I talked about this in the last podcast that by age eight, young girls have been taught to be nice. Mm. Just think about an eight-year-old you know. And by age five, young boys have been taught to be right. My point in all this is we just breed codependency with women throughout their whole lives. Right. Codependency and over-caretaking and over-functioning and that kind of thing. So what's happening that I find with a lot of my clients or even my friends who have maybe gotten out of a relationship or divorced later in life, okay? They've been maybe 25, 30 years with somebody. They finally decide this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. They hit 50, 55, whatever, is that what they know is that they were caretakers for everyone in their family, that they were codependent, that they over-functioned, with their husband. And I guess I just want to stop and say right now, when I say he, she, husband, wife, I'm talking about everyone, whether we're talking wife, husband, whatever, I just don't want to keep changing my words. And women say to me all the time, I'm never doing that again. I don't want to take care of anybody again. And they're mistaking. It's like the work is to be changing that in them first. And then, as you said, to be able to say, what is open to me then? Am I intentionally choosing Mm. to not be in a committed relationship or married or to not date? Am I intentionally choosing that from a place of ease and an open heart? Or am I doing that out of feeling that I've just burnt myself out with over-functioning and over-caretaking and I'm not taking responsibility for the fact that I'm the one who stepped into that all those years? Yeah. And I can really, really relate to that because on my own journey, I reached a point where after a couple of bad relationships after my divorce, like really, really bad relationships after my divorce, I was like, I'm not doing any more relationships. Like that's it. Like I'm totally good on my own, like a hundred percent good on my own. And I had literally like, okay, that's it. I'm hanging up the dating, (laughs) the dating keys. Yes. And then, you know, my current partner came along and he has to add to ask me out three times before I said yes, because I was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Like, luckily he was persistent. And then we entered into this place where, so turned out we met outside, but we lived in the same condo building. So he had a condo in the building. I had a condo in the building. And for five years, 
not quite five years, our relationship worked really well because we were together, but we weren't really together. Like we had our own separate spaces, right? Which was, in my mind, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like I can be by myself, but I can also have somebody, right? And it worked out quite well. And then, you know, things naturally progressed and we ended up, you know, uh, buying a house together, moving in together. And I was like, holy hell, did we just like ruin this whole relationship? Because now we have these two highly independent people who had their own space now in a space together. And it took an immense amount of navigation for us to kind of figure out, you know, exactly how this thing works together in, in the day-to-day space. But there was a time where I was like, oh my goodness, I think we just like ruined our relationship by moving forward, right? And I was like, I wanted to go back to that. Let me suck that back into, I want to be independent and out here on my own. And I yes. recognized that after a while of dealing with it as almost a fear. Like I, you know, I was projecting my previous marriage onto this relationship. And it was, I was like, oh my God, this is heading down the wrong path. I want to bail. I want to bail. Right. And we, we had some pretty serious conversations about things like that. Right. But I can understand women who are like, yeah, I'm never getting into that place again because I just don't want to deal with it yes. without recognizing that there's a different way to do things. Yes, 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 yes. That's the part that makes me sad. What you just said. I understand it too. My gosh, I live that. I mean, I, I'm so independent and I live that. But what you just said is so important. I don't want to deal with that ever again. There's nothing to deal with outside of you. What we need to deal with first is why we feel internally that we might or that we don't trust ourselves to have learned what we need to have learned, to have grown and to continue to grow so that we know that we would not ever be in that situation again. Yeah. We know what we would do different. We know what needs to be healed. We know what old beliefs we need to let go of. We have, you heard me talk before on the other podcast around my conscious dating work. We have figured out what our actual real requirements are that are not a, a silly wish list, but that are based on deep values and that kind of thing. And we trust that we know how to sort and screen with those now. That to me, the sad part is that it's taking, this is my belief, that it's since we're growth oriented people here, anybody listening to you on this podcast has got to be somebody who's growth oriented and focused on that. Then we're looking at, am I taking an easy way out? Am I letting go of a great opportunity I have? to heal and grow something in myself? And am I missing what doors could open as a result of that? That's what makes me sad. Because what you're talking about, Jennifer, is I think we probably everybody here has heard that term now, is the living apart together. That's a new yes. a new term, living apart together. And there's been lots of articles and that kind of thing. Do I think there are great reasons for people to do that? Yes, absolutely. I think that I mean, literally, there are just things like people have their own homes that they love. They yeah. love their homes. Maybe they live a, a city apart or something and their grandkids are there or they don't want to combine finances or whatever it is. I think there's legitimate reasons to do the living together apart. But I always, always would encourage women to look first and say, 
When I say that to myself, you know, when I say, wow, I think the living together apart really works for me. Do I notice any edge in my voice? Do I notice any constriction in my heart? Do I notice any quiet resentment, frustration, anger, hurt, anything that you just said maybe is from a past marriage, past breakup, some way that we've showed up in a past relationship that we weren't proud of or that we swore to God we would never do again? The work is there. That's that's the heart of the matter. That's the beauty as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, you know, when you read these articles, a lot of it's talking about women not wanting to be caregivers. And I think what also really struck me is that, and you talk about this, like when I did your conscious dating course, and we talked about it on the last podcast, the idea that we get to choose the type of relationship we want is a very foreign concept to most women because the assumption is if I go into a relationship, I will be the caretaker, I will be the cook, I will be the, you know, the nurturer, and I don't want to do that anymore without saying, yes, I'm willing to enter into a relationship, but on these terms. But like having that amount of agency is not taught to women. Am I right? Well, it's not taught to anyone really, to anyone, you know, that we are, I guess what I mean by that is that we are at choice. We are taught sadly that things just happen to us, you know, and that we, we have no sway over that. Now we don't have control. We have no sway. Women, especially it's the codependency that I taught you. We are taught that we are not at choice. How can think Jennifer, how can we be at choice if what our responsibility is, is to keep people slash men happy, if we are taught to dance around things, if we are taught to make sure that even in a meeting, that what we have to offer, that we say it gently so that we don't sound like a biatch, okay? I mean, we're talking every relationship now. Yes. If we're taught that, imagine how much undoing (laughs) there is for us. And that's why I'm saying this to me is the beauty of the offering at this age. We have so much wisdom at this point in our life and at this age. We have so much wisdom. We have so much that we've learned. We also have so much to undo, to unpack, to let go of, to rethink, and to re-choose. And what I feel that's sad that, that we miss is if out of that sort of legitimate exhaustion, maybe I'll call it that, that we decide that we don't want to do this continued personal and spiritual growth work because it would require us to have brave conversations. Mm -hmm. It would require us to be willing to, while our knees are kind of shaking, to set boundaries with Mm -hmm. someone that we're dating. That is the work that we're gifted with at this age. And if we take the easy way out, you know, we can just put up walls of protection, keep ourselves rigid and set up our lives with a a very rigid structure of basically saying everything has to work for me. And what we all know is we can picture those older people in our lives that we've looked at and we've said, what's happened? Why are they so rigid? Why are they so so self-focused? Why does everything have to work their way? I don't want to be that person. I want to remain open-hearted, curious. And like I said, I can share if you want me to. When I was started dating at 59, 
you know, and was independent and didn't want to lose any of that. I went through all of this too. I got to have right in my face what I still needed to work on. Well, I mean, and I think that's the thing. I mean, relationships show you yourself. Like they're a mirror for who you are, right? And I mean, it took me a while to figure that part out and then to to be like, okay, you know, I'm really irritated. I'm really triggered by this, right? Without blaming the other person for that, you know, because it takes a it takes a lot of courage. So when I see, you know, people avoid relationships, to me it's it's a bit sad because Again, it's like you're just building this like little wall around yourself, right? Yes. And I'm just going to stay comfortable and protected here, you know, in my little bubble. So I'm not going to invite any relationships in. But what are you missing out on? What's the trade-off of that? Yes. And, you know, I guess I, I do want to say this. It sounds, if I'm listening to this, then I'm probably thinking all of a sudden like, wow, it sounds like Barb and Jennifer are saying like all of us should be out there looking for another long-term yes. relationship. And we should be willing to say, I'm getting married because it, I think that's what I'm hearing him say. And I don't want to speak for you, but that is not what I'm saying. No, me either. I think there's great reasons to do this living apart together. I think there's great reasons. But I encourage all of us to continue to look and see where does it feel like I'm doing this that I'm making my decisions based on ease or fear or protection or mm -hmm. anything like that. Because guess what? Yes. In the living apart together relationships, you also can deepen the intimacy in those by having real live conversations still about why are we not choosing marriage? Yeah. Why are we choosing to say I don't want to participate in any of your family functions, or I don't want to participate in yours. All of these questions are still going to rise to the surface and give you an opportunity to deepen the intimacy, to tell harder truths, to even have to figure out, God, how do I feel about that right now? And so I'm hoping that the people who are living apart together are not avoiding those conversations. And when they come up yeah. are just saying, I'm going home to my place tonight because I really don't want to have this conversation. We always have the opportunity, whether we're living under the same roof with somebody or not, to have deeper, more meaningful conversations. You've heard me say forever, Jennifer, that as a relationship coach, that everything meaningful in our lives centers around relationship. Yes. Yes. If that is true, 100 we better get really good at them. We better get more skilled at them. And we better be willing to stay open hearted to them or we will close our hearts, become rigid and make decisions out of fear and protection that are going to keep our lives very, very narrow. Yeah. And I think you and I are saying the same thing. And I, yeah, I don't want to mislead our audience to say we're like, you should always get married and you always need a relationship in your life. Because I think where the question came in is like, what is underneath the decision to do exactly. that? So like on the flip side of it, you know, so women opting not to cohabitate or get married, but the stats say that men are more likely to want to cohabitate and get married. Why do you think that is? Like, why the disparity? It feels like we have a bit of polar opposites happening <laughs> all at around the same time. So what's your take on men wanting to be in relationship? 
Yeah. Here's how I initially know this. Men who have either uh, broken up from a fairly happy, doesn't have to be a great marriage, but a fairly decent marriage or have lost their spouse are more apt to be married within a year and a half than women within a year and a half. Mm, and that's even over a, um, of a, a death of a spouse. Interesting. Men are very, very happy and thrive in a marriage. Women, not so much. Again, some of the reasons we're talking about, right? Right. Because women take on over-functioning, over-caretaking, over, over, over everything and feel more frustrated and like they don't have enough independence and enough time and, and that kind of thing. So men right out of the gates, men are happier married. It's also scientifically proven that people are not going to like to hear this, that actually we thrive women and men when we're married. Some of it simply is um, we have a larger social life if we're married. Not, not all. Okay. I'm not saying all the time, everybody. Okay. But a lot of times we have a larger social life because we've got two people in their social life. Um, sometimes uh, financially, we're a little bit better off then. And so that brings us less mm-hmm. stress financially. Mm-hmm. What are the other reasons? Well, you know, we've you've got somebody that you know is there day in and day out to actually help you yeah. and help care for you and remind you that there's a doctor's appointment or whatever. And so they're actually, and cognitively, it's better for us. So there are reasons that marriage actually, you know, helps us. Men love that. Men do much better married than they do single, and they will always seek that out. Women love the independence. And I find my friends, myself, I mean, I thrive in a committed relationship where I have all of the independence and all the freedom that I want. And that was not something that I had to negotiate. That was something that I needed to be clear about. Right. And that's, I've been in this relationship, in this marriage for seven years. I didn't go into it believing that I was going to be married. It kind of didn't matter one way or the other to me. But I realized that the deeper work for me was going to be actually finding a way to say yes to marriage and doing it completely different. It has required me to show up, oh my goodness, Gratian, in every what felt like hard, challenging conversation from at this age, from finances and what, you know, what money are we leaving our adult children versus each other? All kinds of things, Jennifer. I'm sure you're going through this. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the number of difficult conversations, like, first of all, conversations that I never thought I would be having <laughs> and that yes. I was never given any framework for. Like, I didn't know how to have these conversations. And like, you know, I fumbled my way through some. <laughs> some went really well. Others, you know, not so much. But like being willing to show up. You know, like, especially like, okay, so we had our own separate places and we were like the, you know, in a relationship, not cohabitating. And I was like, this is perfect, right? But then when we came together, again, navigating that space and being able to, and this is one thing that I learned from you around this personal honor code that you talk about a lot, right? About like, what am I willing to tolerate and what am I not willing to tolerate? Like, where are the deal breakers for me? And having a really good sense of that, which required a bit of work because most of us as women, 
go through our lives being completely disconnected from ourselves, first of all, like what's important to us. And, you know, we enter into relationship not knowing where our boundary is, like what our, what our honor code is. Right. And then that's how we fall down the slippery slope into being the caretaker of the doing of everything for everybody kind of thing. Right. So having to come back and say, okay, you know, what is going to work for me and what is not going to work for me? And then being able to have that conversation has gone a long way in being able to set up something that actually works for me. And that like you just mentioned about, you know, gives you all of the, you know, commitment of relationship with freedom at the same time, which is again, Mm -hmm. like freedom is one of my top values, right? Which I've never been able to communicate before now. Mm. So like, and I'm curious, is that the word you use also with your partner? Do you use the word freedom? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Which, and And a lot of women will say to me, I want to do this work, but can you help me soften that word? Isn't that interesting? That's not one woman. I can't tell you how many women have said to me, can you help me soften that word so that I can have this conversation? And I say, no. <laughs> well, and I, <laughs> and I can help you stand in it. Well, and I understand that because like the connotations around freedom, freedom to men and freedom to women, I think are very different things. And the perceptions of them are very different things. So, you know, when we first started talking about freedom, I had to step back and clarify exactly what I meant because I could see that a reaction was like, does that mean you want to date other people? Like, what does that mean? Like, are you going to be gone all the time? Are you going to be, you know what I mean? And I was like, yeah, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Right. But I had to know that for myself before I could communicate. And in past relationships, I hadn't known that. And so like, this is the importance of becoming, and I talk about this, I think in the context of every podcast I've ever done is about coming back to yourself and knowing yourself so well that you can communicate that up front because that changes everything as opposed to just sliding along and ending up in this place where you're like, okay, I don't want to be here anymore. A hundred percent. The worst betrayals that we will ever experience are the ones where we betray ourselves. It's not when someone else betrays us. The worst, worst betrayals are the ones when we betray ourselves. So when we know that we want to speak something, We know when we want to do something, when we want to share something, when we want to have more of something or less of something, and we will not take a stand for ourselves and speak that and do that with integrity, with an honor code, okay, without waiting until we're blowing up because we've had it, we betray ourselves. And then we're left again feeling crummy, feeling like, oh my God, I can't show up. And then we say it's because of a relationship or because of someone else or because of fill in the blank. And it is simply not true. You know, we are at choice. If that freedom is important, same with me. I mean, freedom is different, not just between men and women. Freedom is different for everybody. All our words are different for everybody. And when we learn to be a really good listener, And keep asking great questions. What does that mean to you? What does that look like to you? It's so much easier. Then we continue to build trust and have more ease and have the freedom that we're looking for. I had to have the same conversation, you know, with my now husband. In the beginning, we were just seeing each other. We weren't even living with each other. But we work when we finally committed It came up where I went down to New Mexico. I live in Portland. I went down to New Mexico for a month every year. And I just said, oh, here's January again. I'm going to New Mexico for a month. And he was like, I'm sorry, what? Mm -hmm. 
(laughs) (laughs) You know, and it crossed my mind all of a sudden to think, well, wow, I mean, is the right thing to do to shorten that time or, you know, to ask him to join me for some of it or whatever? I was like, no. But we also have the responsibility of a relationship. I'm always Mm -hmm. saying that too. If you have the benefits of a relationship, we know what those are, but we also have the responsibility. The responsibility that I had then in that was to say, what do you need if I'm going to be gone for 30 days now and we are in a relationship? He was like, well, then I need some regular conversation, you know, on the the phone or I need, you know, it's like, great, because we right. we get to figure out what we both need. I think women sometimes, I will say, have a bit of a tendency out of fear and protection, like you're talking about, to get a little rigid about this is what I need. This is what I need. This is what I want. This is the way it's going to be. This is, and to forget that if we're in a relationship, it's not even about compromise. It's about respect. It's about saying, great, this is what I need. I want to hear what you need also. Yeah. That's, you brought up something really interesting as we were having this conversation about trust right? And trusting ourselves. And I think this is actually a hugely underrated topic in the in the context of relationship, right? Like to trust ourselves to be able to step up and voice our opinion, to speak our needs, right? Like, so for your, you know, for your husband saying, but I need, you know, th- if you're going to do that, then I need this, right? And mm-hmm. being able to trust ourselves to do that. Because I feel like if we don't trust ourselves to speak up, and then we, you know, we swallow it or we, I don't want to rock the boat or whatever. Then we start building this resentment, right? And that's when relationships starts to become, starts to feel like a whole ton of work, right? Now it's inconvenient and it's causing me some stress and yet, and I want no part of relationship, which is where a lot of us get to. But yes. if we know what it is that we want and we trust ourselves to be able to communicate it, right? Like we can open the doors to all kinds of possibilities in terms of defining relationship that works for us. Yes. It blows women's minds when I say to them, like, I can't even tell you how many women, especially through this conscious dating work. Okay. They, you know, they're somewhere around this age, right? This age that we talk about. They're six, at least the women I work, they're successful. They're bright. They're talented. You know, they're, they've, they're everything. And they're a bit embarrassed initially. That they're coming to me saying, God, I don't even, I don't even, it has to be different. I don't even know how to date at this. I don't even know everything feels different and I'm confused and I want to make sure I get some real skills and tools. And that's wonderful. What the majority of women also say to me is, I want to be upfront with you right now, Barb. I have real trust issues. Mm. I don't trust people easily. I don't trust men easily. And I'm going to really need some help around that because I have walls of protection. And I said, you don't have a trust issue with somebody else. And I just kind of stop it right there for a while. And they're like, oh, I do. No. And then they try to explain to me more. And I'm like, you don't. Because we don't have trust issues with other people. Yeah. We don't trust ourselves. Yeah. And what's happened, if you really think about it, because I'll bet your listeners right now are going, wait a minute, I got trust issues with somebody else. You know, you didn't have a trust issue. You didn't trust yourself to hold to what you just referenced, that personal foundation work that I do with every client, to have a personal honor code 
that you hold your own feet to the fire around. In other words, this is how I show up. This is the woman I would be no matter what. And regardless of what anybody else does, I could, these are the boundaries that I'm willing and I'm able to set always when I need to set a boundary. And this is me letting go of the need for approval so that I don't dance around things or try to keep the peace or all of those things. When we don't have that strong foundation under us, then we don't trust ourselves that we will advocate for ourselves, that we will not betray ourselves, what we were just talking about. And when we don't do that, we are scared to death now that I'm going to go back out there, either do the same thing that I did before or go out there have somebody ghost me or have somebody decide that I thought we were serious and now they don't want to date or whatever it is and say that, oh, I can't trust you when all we had to do was take that information and be great. There's the information. Let me make a good choice for myself now. Mm. Let me not betray myself. So how do you, for those of you listening who haven't you know, come across your work before or listened to our previous podcast, how do you define the personal honor code? So let me just make sure I know what you're asking me. The personal foundation work or the personal honor code as that first key element of it. That one right there. First key element of it. And then we'll go into the, you know, the foundational stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all under that heading of if you're standing on a strong foundation. If If your foundation is strong under you, then the slightest, you know, storm or wind blowing or a problem or a little bit of drama or a problem with situation outside of you is not going to topple you over. So the first key piece of a strong personal foundation is having a personal honor code. And I work with people to flush out what is it that I'm saying behaviors that I will hold my feet to the fire around that I know I'm ready for that are a stretch for me, not just some pipe dream, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm never going to say an unkind word the rest of my life but that you know you are ready for, you know it's a stretch for you, you know you're going to have to every morning read this personal honor code and be intentional about what you're doing, and you know it is the next right perfect step for you. You just know it. And usually there are six to eight things maybe, and They have to do with areas that have been weak for you in the past. A lot of women have something around codependent behavior. Right. So they might say, here's one of mine. I will lead with lead. Okay. Not I will lead with kindness in every interaction. That will be where I begin. That will be where I start. That's part. That's one thing listed on my personal honor code. I will say the full authentic truth in the moment in Uh every interaction that I have. That one was challenging. Yeah. So things like that, they are things that we know we are absolutely ready for on a personal and spiritual growth level, but that are doable. You know, we know that's my next step. I'm telling you, having a personal honor code and starting to to live by it will change your life because it also gets our focus off of what somebody else is doing. Yeah. It's amazing how when somebody else's behavior is poor, let's just say a partner's, 
how we don't realize that we have gotten into reaction mode just constantly. And so when I say to a client, okay, I understand what's going on over, over here with them or with him. What's going on with you? Women will say to me, well, I used to be good, <laughs> but in the last six months or a year or whatever, I'm showing up as bad as him because I'm just in reaction mode or whatever. And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, it starts with you. Do you we're going to set up a personal honor code for you. That was one of the things that I put on my honor, on my own personal honor code was about when I feel triggered or, you know what I mean? I give myself permission to pause. See, there's a perfect one. Yeah. That's perfect. Right. So that I'm not, because I know that I will react to whatever is happening in that moment. Um, And so giving myself permission to be able to just like step back. And sometimes I can now say, I feel very triggered by that, or I'm very upset by what you said, right? And then like acknowledge it that way, as opposed to you just hurt me and I'm going to lash back out at you, which has gotten me into a lot of problems. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or we judge when we're like, you're being an ass, I'm out of this conversation or whatever. And women, people in general, but women will then say that that was just them setting a boundary. That's not setting a boundary. That's speaking to somebody in a very disrespectful way, regardless of what they're doing. So again, let's come back to the personal honor code. If we stop focusing on what somebody else is doing and we look at our own behavior, we will see tons of areas in which we need to clean up our act. And we need to show up as the women that we want to be and that we can be proud of being. Here's the interesting thing that happens. We change our own behavior. It's amazing. Amazing. What changes in the dynamics between us and other people where we said it was 100% them? It's amazing. I've experienced it when I clean up my own stuff and consistently show up better. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I live under the belief that everything that's happening in your external world is a reflection of something inside of you, right? So if you don't like what's happening out there, it's like, okay, what work do I need to do to myself? And that's it's not the easy path at all, right? Because it's very easy to blame somebody else and move on. But it's like, I am a dynamic in this situation. So what did I do? I mean, and not, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, there is definitely something that needs to be addressed, but like it needs to be addressed. But first thing is to like, look at yourself and like that, I know, you know, like I said, when I was talking about the challenges of us kind of coming to independent people coming to live together, that was a big part where I would be like, okay, I now need to, like, I'm feeling triggered by this. Like, why is this bothering me so much? How can I address it in a way that works for both of us? But being very objective as opposed to reactionary about it, which is not all, it didn't always work. Like sometimes I flew off the handle, right? (laughs) Right. But But I'll tell you what, if you have a personal honor code that you are really committed to living by and you're being intentional about and you're reading every day, you will notice immediately, Jennifer, just like you did. You'll notice when you miss the mark, you'll notice. Whereas when we get deep into this mess, we don't notice. We are literally just in reaction mode and blame mode. Yeah. But I think, you know, the important part about this conversation for me and like after reading those articles was, and you've said this several times throughout this conversation about we have choice, right? Like we can choose to be single for the rest of our lives. We can choose to never cohabitate, right? But we can also choose to define the type of relationship we are willing to cohabitate in, 
right? As opposed to like opting out because there's only one choice and I don't like that choice. And this is the importance of this conversation is about like empowering us to be able to make those decisions as opposed to reacting from a place of hurt or, you know, whatever, whatever was in our past, right? Yes, yes, Um, absolutely. Because choice is powerful. And there was no reason that we needed to buy into all those, I'm doing air quotes, rules in the past, but we did. But we, we all, did. we all, we, we all, all did. So the beauty now with our age and our wisdom that I was referring to is that we can be creative. There's no reason that you can't. Each relationship is different. And we get to be creative around it. And we get to look and be honest first with ourselves and then with anybody that we're dating or a lover or somebody that we want to make a deeper commitment to. We get to be creative and say, what works for me? What works for you? What brings more vibrancy into this connection? What helps us keep moving towards more personal and spiritual growth. I mean, these are beautiful questions to keep asking. Where do I constrict? What old belief do I have or what should has gotten in the way there that has me start to put up a wall of protection? This is just a beautiful thing. There are, when my clients come to me and go, can I ask you something? Is this okay? Is this okay? Can we live apart? Is this okay? If we do? Everything's okay. Run it through the filter of, am I avoiding something? Am I avoiding a conversation? Am I avoiding changing in myself? Am I avoiding anything? Otherwise, you know, I encourage women, be creative. Yeah. It was interesting, you know, when I knew we were going to be talking about this topic and I brought it up to a couple of different people just to kind of see their reactions to this topic and to get their perspective on it. The different reactions were interesting, but the most common one that I got was, yeah, because women are tired of putting up with men's shit. Exactly. (laughs) Right. And like, who wants to do that for the rest of your lives? But it it was coming from a place of, and I kind of had that too. It's like the strong independent woman is no longer willing to tolerate the shit from the man. Right. And again, it kind of made me a little bit sad because like, why is it automatically assumed that when you're in a relationship, you're just putting up with you know, whatever it is, as opposed to, like you said, choosing, very consciously choosing, you know, and being creative about the type of relationship that works for you. And, you know, I think this strong, independent woman, and I know this was true of me, for sure, was, you know, my mother taught me, like, never rely on a man, like, have your own income, have your own career, like, you know, take care of yourself. And that actually worked against me. And it was like one of the reasons why you know, our cohabitation at the beginning was very bumpy was because I was being that strong, independent woman. No, no, I can do this myself. I can do this. And I had to, I only started to, like, I was watching, I was watching myself in action and watching the reaction of my partner that every time I stepped into that strong, independent woman role, he kind of pulled back, right? Like, or he, you know, And I was like, huh, this is really interesting. So I had to do a lot of work to understand or to unpack why I needed to be in that persona, why I couldn't soften, why could I not let him do that thing for me? Why could I not let him, you know, purchase that thing or pay for that, Mm -hmm. right? 
because when we had separate households and separate finances, like that was, you know, we split things 50, 50, and now we're kind of in a different spot. And it took a bit of unlearning of everything that I had learned along the path of relationships for that. And I can see how that was part of the undoing of previous relationships as well. Yes. God, what a beautiful thing that you just said and saw there. This is a conversation I have weekly with Mm. strong, wonderful, capable, successful women that it's, they've gotten confused about what receiving really looks like, what that means. They've gotten confused about the fact that if, again, right now we're talking about a heterosexual relationship, apply it anywhere, you know, what that looks like to be able to be a strong woman and still allow space for a masculine man. I have tons of men. My my practice has always been filled with at least half men. And men say to me, my God, they're not joking. They're like, I love strong women. I love successful, capable women. I love that. I feel like there's no room for me in this Mm. connection, in this relationship, in this, you know, like masculine and feminine are different. And a lot of times I see strong females feel uncomfortable moving in also to their feminine energy and allowing men to be in their masculine energy. And that, what I see is just a protection. It's a fear, a legitimate fear of what's happened in the past, kind of being engulfed, you know, but we've got to hold space for that masculine and feminine energy to be present, or at least for there to be that flow of giving and receiving back and forth, or else someone just feels like they're standing on the sidelines. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, a lot of, and I'm saying this kind of in air quotes because I really did just like this term, the feminist movement actually did us a bit of a disservice in some respects. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, it was needed to, you know, level the playing field, definitely in some respects. But like, sometimes I feel like the pendulum swung too far and maybe it needs to come back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way life works. Sometimes we need to go too far to realize we've gone too far to end up back in the middle, right? Like, well, all I will say is let's hope that's the case right now, right? (laughs) So let's hope that we have uh, in our world and in our lives that we're watching in, in every area, pendulum swinging and that we will come back to that middle ground. But here's the thing. I feel so strongly that the only way that that happens is if we keep our eyes on our own personal work. That's how we get the pendulum swinging back to where it needs to be. And that is by doing our own personal work, by holding to a personal honor code, by being willing to set boundaries and swiftly to say no where we need to say no. Absolutely. That is such a huge part of our healing work to know what our no's are along with our yeses and to keep working on letting go of that need for approval for people to be happy with us, for, you know, to people to like us. Because as we do that, we then end up, we don't have control over anybody else, but we have a huge positive influence. I mean, just a huge positive influence over everyone around us in our immediate circles, 
in our communities, out in our world. It's incredible the positive influence we have over others by simply modeling this level of integrity in the world. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that, wholeheartedly. So if there's a woman who's listening to this podcast right now and she has found herself saying, I'm done with relationships, I'm going to be single for the rest of her life, what's like the first question she should ask herself to explore? What am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Yes. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Because you're so good at this too. Yes. That's the very first thing is to admit That usually means that there's really, there's some hurt and real resentments that's legitimate. Okay. So if you can even ask it in a way that's gentler than is, am I ready to get to the point where I could take full responsibility for my healing? Mm -hmm. Like answer that one for, you know. Wow. Yeah. And then, yes. Okay, great. What am I afraid of? And can the next would be, can I imagine something, a relationship that could be beautiful and alive and full of freedom and vibrancy if I was willing to answer these questions right here? If I just was willing to start there, could I imagine something different? And most of the women I ask that will start crying and say, I actually can. You know, I actually can. But what they'll say is, but I've been I've been afraid to hope. <sighs> what a beautiful, beautiful question. I think I'm gonna replay that and listen to that one with that question myself because like there's Absolutely. I mean I, think, I, will I think you could use that in any area of your life, really. But yes. it, it's a beautiful line of inquiry that can open the doors to possibility, which is what yes. I love and because I'm all about possibility. Yes, you <laughs> are. I love that. <laughs> Okay. This conversation has been so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Barb, for digging into this with me. And it's so wonderful some, to talk to you. And just sharing some like really, really important insight. Because yeah, I mean, this is all about choice and not choice out of hurt, but choice out of truly a true desire for, you know, a life that you love. Right. And as you said, possibility. Yes. Because everything is possible. Really. It really is. When we do our healing work and we get out of all of the old ways and beliefs and thoughts that we've had, and we can stand here fresh in the moment, curious, wondering about what's possible. Oh my God, the doors that open up. Oh, I love that. So thank you, thank you, thank you for digging in with me on this one. And to those of you listening, if you like what you heard, it would be an absolute honor if you would leave us a rating or review, or even better yet, share this with a friend, a relative, anybody you think might get some insight out of this conversation. So thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in. 